Hello and welcome to the Surviving to Thriving podcast series. I'm your host, Casey Miller. So the purpose of this podcast is to provide you with the knowledge that you need to become the CEO of your health and become the best version of yourself. I really truly believe this. The top three things that you would ever invest in in your life are going to be your health, who you surround yourself with, and acquiring more knowledge. If you continuously pour into these three cups, I promise you, your life will change dramatically for the better. Now, luckily, this podcast will pour into your health and knowledge, but if you want to surround yourself with like-minded people who will push you to win, go ahead and join our Surviving a Thriving community. We'd love to have you. The link is going to be below in the description. Before we get into our episode, I want to take a quick second to thank our sponsor, Legion Athletics. I've been in the game for a long time, and it's really hard to find supplements that you can trust while also tasting great. I believe Legion is a perfect mixture of the two. They're backed by science. Everything is clearly labeled on the bottle. And from my own personal experience... Everything does really do taste really great. So if you want to get your own Legion supplements, use the code THRIVINGON, one word, to get 20% off your first order and double reward points. Now, without further ado, let's get into the episode. And welcome back for another episode. This episode, I have a special guest with me. Her name is Brittany. She is one of our Thriving On clients and The reason why we're having her on this podcast is because her and I had a one-on-one conversation and I was like, you know what? Seriously, we need to tell your story because people are inspired by stories. A lot of times people are inspired like, hey, I heard this person's story. I relate a lot to this person's story. If they can do it, I can do it too. And I always speak about this with our clients is the best way to make impact in people's lives is to shine like a light. Tell your story lead by example and so this is one of the ways that i really do do believe people can make a positive impact in other people's lives and also i'm just such a huge fan of going in more depth as to how people created the uh outcome that they were looking for through their goals because there's so many people doing before and after pictures not many times do we ever provide um, a little bit more context between what specifically they did to create that outcome so that way you guys can take some things and do that on your own uh, wherever you're at. So we're going to go a little bit more in depth with that. But basically, I'll, I'll do a quick summary. I don't want to go too much in depth and steal Brittany Thunder because I love her story so much. But basically, this is just a story of somebody who has struggled with basically being preached that you need to eat less and move more from a very young age. She's also seen it from all of her parents, and it put her in a situation where no matter how hard she tried, she felt like she was only getting worse, both mentally and physically, right? And then her story of overcoming that, like, again, I feel like a lot of people need to hear this, but not only that, there's a few other things that I would definitely wait until the end that we talk about because it's absolutely phenomenal. But Brittany, before we get into this, I I want you to take a second uh, to give the listeners a little bit of context as to where you started off with like what you were struggling with give us a little bit of insight as to that yeah so um before i became a thriving on client when i came to you guys my big struggle was chronically dieting um we got on a chat on the phone call and you told me you've been dieting for a year and i was like come again because to me i wasn't you know in my head i was eating i think like 1800 or 1900 calories at that point and i was like that's not dieting that's a lot and um 
yeah, so that was how like we met and how I became a client. But um, going like further back, um, like we were chatting before we started, you know, I at 10 went to Weight Watchers meetings with my mom and watched her hang her head when the scale didn't move or it went up and, you know, riding that car ride home with her, you know, watching her feel defeated at 10 when, you know, girls at 10 are impressionable at that age, you know, that was, it's a vivid memory and it shouldn't be. Um, and watching her struggle and all the other women in my life kind of, yeah, just became that and transpired into where I'm at now. Yeah. It sounds like you've been basically been just seeing from the people around you, like Weight Watchers going in there, just hanging their head down. I know a lot of people experience that. I know I did. My mom also did. Jenny tried too. And, and that stuff, we, we're little sponges at that age. And we learn that kind of stuff. And it sounded like it made a huge impact in your current life today. Yeah. Um, she had other issues. Like, you know, she had other health issues. I didn't learn until the last couple years that um, she, before she passed away, she struggled with depression. And she also had high blood pressure, high cholesterol. Um, she was born with a hole in her heart that obviously back then wasn't repairable. Now something like that is, but it wasn't then. And um, as a teenager, up until she passed away, whenever I was 15, now as an adult, whenever I was told she had depression, it makes sense. You know, I, I can see it now where then it was just, no, my mom doesn't feel like coming or taking me here or going there. And, you know, now in the position that I'm in, I wish I would have known then what I know now. And I wish she was still here just for that sake of, so I kind of tried to like give my dad since, you know, he's now type two diabetic and, and struggling. Um, so I try to like input as much knowledge on him as I can to just say like you realize you can reverse that you don't have to live this way forever like i'm trying to lead by example in a sense for him so he doesn't end up in the ground <laughs> it's like I, I hope you don't mind me asking this but it sounds like a lot of the stuff that you were saying is that like you're trying to lead by example do you think that that was a big contributing factor for you to get started with like investing your health learning more about that kind of stuff is that you're just trying to prevent what happened to you to maybe potentially your kids? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Because when years ago, I, um, after my oldest son was born, Carter's 10, I packed on weight. I got in, uh, I was in a situation where I couldn't live where I was living anymore. And it was told, I was told you have to go. And so I got an apartment. I was a single mom and with a one-year-old and trying to figure it out. And I was never taught how to properly eat, how to properly build a plate, like what's important, what's not important. And I was paycheck to paycheck. So whatever was available to feed myself and him was what I ate. And in a matter of no time, I packed on 30 pounds and it never, I, it's so you don't realize it until you realize it. Like it comes so fast and being surrounded by the people in my life that I was surrounded by. Like I had family members making comments like, oh, you know, you keep eating like that. Your ass is going to get bigger and you're not going to fit in this anymore. And Hey, you're gaining a little bit of weight. Like, and it, I started to spiral 
because I was getting those comments made where up until that point, I was a small individual, you know, like I was in when I was 23 and I still, when my son was born immediately, like not long after him, I was right back to 135 pounds. And then it just, and before I knew it, I was 160, 165 pounds. And then all these comments are getting made. And, you know, if you eat another frappe from McDonald's and it's going to go right to your ass and just that created this, now I need to do something about it, but I never knew how, because I didn't have the proper knowledge or the education. And I started doing, um, what was the big like workout videos? P90X. Yes. Yeah. I did that too. I did that. Yeah. I had those that I borrowed from somebody and I would do those in my apartment, but I never stuck with it because it was exhausting working full time and being a single parent and trying to like fit it in. And so it never stuck. And then I started going to, oh, I moved and I started a new job. And some of the people that I worked with were into fitness. And so they would make comments whenever I would say about, you know, like, I know I need to lose weight, but I don't have time. That was always my big excuse. I know I need to do something. I don't have time to do that. I don't have time to do this. And um, so he, a coworker was actually what kind of started my big push. And at Carter's daycare at the time had this itty bitty gym attached to the side of it. And I, the building was the daycare and a youth group, which was my youth group whenever I was a teenager. And I, the youth leader is still the same. And so I asked him, Hey, how much does it cost? Can I use the gym? And it was just a donation to the youth group, whatever you felt was necessary every month. So I would donate money. And when I would get off work, I'd go right to this little gym. And then I would go get Carter. And then there was lots of times I would take him with because that gym also had a massive like racquetball court in it and he could dump all the balls out and play while I exercised. But it started solely with cardio. It was 10 minutes at a time on the treadmill because that was where I just felt comfortable. And then, but I didn't track anything. Like I didn't track, I didn't know how to do any of that. No, nothing. And so then it was this, as the weight started to come off, it became an obsession. It was every day, my weight was down a little bit. Then the next day it was down. And it was like, every time it trended down, I'd like, and it got to the point where I was in that gym seven days a week. The only rule, because I had access to it anytime I wanted, because I had the door code. I didn't have to. The only rule was on Sundays because it was, for a youth group, you didn't use it until after, I think it was 12. So on Sunday mornings, I would get up, I would clean the house and then I would go to the gym and I would take Carter with me. It didn't matter if the roads were bad. I was in that gym seven days a week. And I didn't realize how unhealthy that fixation became. And I lost 30, 30, it was like 30 pounds. And then it stopped the weight didn't want to move. I kind of backed off how often I was going. I didn't go as much. I ended up switching to a more public gym and their hours were really weird. So I didn't have access the way that I did before. So I had to change all of that. And then I got to the point where I just stopped. I stopped going to the gym completely. I stopped eating the way that I was. And that started this giant, that yo-yo cycle. And then, then keto became a thing. And it was big. And I was like, I knew people that were doing it. And I'm like, I can do that. And so then I did it. And then I went from 135 pounds to 127 pounds. And 
then I met my now husband. And so when you're dating and you can't eat keto and you're going out to the, going out to eat or going to the bar, it doesn't work. So I was floating back and forth between sometimes I would be keto and sometimes I wouldn't. And then it just generated this, you know, great big cycle of endless. And then I got to, I think I gained like 10 pounds and of course it was nothing fit right. And I didn't feel comfortable because that obsession was still there of I'm not the size that I was before. And then comments started again and then COVID happened. And then I got pregnant with my youngest and then that was the end of it. And I actually was up over 200 pounds when I was pregnant with Chase. When I went into labor with him, I was over 200 and which was substantially more weight gain than what I should have gained that pregnancy. But I just, I, again, spiraled. Nothing was off limits at that point because I knew I couldn't lose weight while I was pregnant. And so what did it matter? You know, I was going to gain weight anyway. And then the comments again started, you know, man, you're, you know, your ass is getting a lot bigger. And this is all from family that, you know, are making these comments the whole time. It's not outside people or anything of that sort. It was just, so then in my mind, it was, well, if family's saying that, who else is saying that, you know? And I had a doctor while I was pregnant with Chase tell me that if I continued to gain any weight, there was absolutely no way I was going to have a natural delivery with him because he was just going to be far too big for the size of who, like how I was. And then she ended up not working there anymore because apparently she had been known for body shaming women during pregnancy. And I don't know if someone got tired of it, but. Wow. You got the short of end of the stick of people being absolute, excuse my language, but I think it's well-deserved assholes to you. Yeah. And that's the unfortunate thing is that there's so many people that are dealing with this, like commenting on people's bodies and things like that. I think there's so many people that are already struggling with their own body image. Like, keep your comments to yourself. I mean, I mean, it also is like the culture back in the day. Like, I don't know if you ever experienced this, but like in the 90s, early 2000s, all over like movies, it was always commented uh, like, hey, your ass is getting fat. Like that, that girl looks like a cow or something like that. Like, I was called thunder thighs just because I had regular muscular legs and you were supposed to be six thin in the 90s and early 2000s. Like it's, it's freaking tough out there, man. And so I think that through this whole story, I think some really great things to point out is that you were talking about how you're like a busy single mom and you're like, I just don't have time for this, but you had somebody in your corner, a support system to kind of call you out on your shit and be like, no dude, you have time. And then all of a sudden, with that mental shift, you became extremely resourceful, right? And I know that you made the comment, like, I was in the gym seven days a week. You went from, like, not thinking you had any time at all to seven days a week as a single mom. You figured out how to make that happen. Do we agree that do you need to be in the gym seven days a week? No, but you had some resourcefulness. Like, you got that done, which that's fantastic, and you were working hard. It just sounds like from my perspective, just hearing from the outside perspective is that you were there, you're putting the hard work in, but it was hard to maintain it because all the methods that you're using were extremely unsustainable. Oh, a hundred percent. And I think too, when I look back at it now, had I had more support in my corner from like, say supportive family or even just more friends in my corner, or like, had I been able to find a gym 
that I could have had community in, I think I would not be sitting here right now because I would have been able to kind of figure it all out at that point if I would have had the right people to teach me how to do it. But like at that point, that wasn't, you know, a thing. And, you know, when you, I've tend to notice like there's people in my family, like we talked about before we started recording that um, don't ever want to gain a pound. Like God forbid they even gain, you know, an inch on their waist. It's, you know, unheard of. And when I'm with them or around those people and I make comments about like why weigh my food and I track my food and it keeps me accountable. So I know, and I make sure I'm hitting my marks. And then the comments get made of nobody needs to do that. Well, but I wouldn't be where I'm at right now if I didn't do that. You know, had I not made the choices that I made the last, well, since this spring and not followed that plan, I wouldn't be here. Is it doable without doing all of that? hundred percent. Because the first time I lost weight, I didn't track a damn thing. You know, I just ate what I ate, but without not tracking, I ate the same things. Like I was the, what everybody would consider the typical like bodybuilder, only it was tilapia, broccoli, rice, or a sweet potato. And it was lunch, dinner every day. And I think my turning point was when I started to notice that my oldest, who I was still just a single parent with, started to become a picky eater. Because when I was cooking those things for myself, I let him eat whatever he wanted because I didn't want to cook a meal for like a whole separate meal for him. And so it was, do you want chicken nuggets or do you want this? And then he started to only want those things. And then a light bulb went off in my head. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Because now you're creating a bad habit in him and you're basically destroying what any bit of good knowledge you could have given him on nutrition that you might have figured out because you're letting him do whatever he wants instead of leading as a parent. So thankfully we're way better now. And he has a much broader palate. I mean, he's still typical. I'm just gonna, I don't want to eat that. It looks gross, but. <laughs> You're the mommy telling what to do, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that, uh, yeah, you're hundred percent right. Like, I think so many people are thinking that they have to do these crazy diets, like the bodybuilder diet. They have to do keto. They have to do Weight Watchers. But what they're finding is that it's just not sustainable. Either they're developing poor eating habits, or they're passing it off to their family. Right? They're doing things that make them feel restricted. So when it comes time to living their life, they can't. Like going dating. Like people should be able to date. They should be able to live their life. Why else do this? And so the reason why, and, and I love how people who have extremely disordered perspective in terms of food, and they don't even know, right? Like when you were when you were going through this whole process, you didn't even know because nobody has ever taught us anything else but what we have seen um, thus far. There's no other possibility. It's just supposed to suck, and you're supposed to be like obsessive over every little thing. You don't know, but then they say tracking your food is disordered, and we both know this. It's not. It's actually really quite freeing. What's disordered is labeling it disordered. It's like saying a hammer is bad, right, because you accidentally hit your thumb with the hammer. It's like, no, dude, just move your thumb. Like, you just use the hammer wrong. The hammer's not bad, right? You just need to learn how to use a hammer better. It's the same thing there. It's, it's really quite freeing. Knowledge is power. A lot of us fear our food. We 
exacerbate things simply because we just don't understand and we make poor decisions. And so when we bring in knowledge, that is empowering. That's very freeing. Like how many times are you like looking at food and be like, yeah, I can go out to eat. I can go on. Like we had a call. You were going on date night, right? Yes. Yeah. As before, would you have been like, oh my gosh, I can't have date night. It doesn't fit in my like tilapia and broccoli and rice. If I ever see another one of those, I can't eat it. It's still good. It's still good food. <laughs> but like if I, I did it too. I can't do it. I can't palate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't. I think we bought tilapia like months ago and I was like, I can't, I can't do it. Nope. I can't. Like I started to like cook it and it was immediate. Nope. Like I had enough of it that I can't, I just can't do it anymore. But no, like my, what was really freeing when we had that date day was that before I didn't panic in that this isn't my typical, I panicked that I couldn't track it. Like, or I would panic when it didn't fit because I thought that like whatever my calories were was the end all be all. And I couldn't go over that, not even for a single day. And now it's like, I know it's one meal, it's one day. It doesn't matter. It, you know, like, and I just don't like, so when we sit and think like, like if we have a conversation about, well, where do you want to eat? And we're picking places. I don't have that framing of mind anymore where it's like, well, let me see what fits. It's well, what do we want? You know, and it's just whatever. And I think that's my, like, really, I've been pondering this as like my big end goal is to be able to like, to just do that, like to still maintain everything, you know, after this is all said and done, but to be able to take my kids to the local carnival and eat some French fries and a milkshake and move on you know, or, and not have that headspace of, well, the scale is going to go up tomorrow. You know what I mean? And Thanksgiving was another one of those where it was, I went into it. I'm not tracking a single thing. I don't care what happens. I'm just going to eat until I feel full and whatever that looks like is what it looks like. And whatever the scale says the next day is what the scale says. And I'm, and that's, and thankfully, like I had not a single hiccup which was freeing in of itself. Because like, when I think back to old me, that would have derailed everything. And it would have been off the rails, the scales up, fuck it, I'm gonna eat like shit. And I didn't do that. Yeah, 100%. I I don't think people realize that mindset thing. It's the hardest part. It's the hardest part. And a lot of times you can be your own worst enemy. So it sounds like you've made some groundbreaking changes into that, which we'll go a little bit more in depth. But before we do, I want to go back a little bit. So through the whole process of basically stru- uh, struggling with like basically diet culture bullshit of like you have to eat less, you have to move more, and you were in this position where you're chronically dieting and doing unsustainable methods that led you into this yo-yo dieting cycle and, and also not the most supportive community in the whole world. Um, so then you decided to join Thrive Me correct and so do you mind me asking what was like the big thing that was like yeah like this is why i'm joining thriving off yeah so initially you were on a um i don't know if it was like a coaching thing with jared Mm -hmm. and that was how i found you was through him Mm -hmm. and it was one where you were discussing like the things that you that we as clients do and 
the one thing that forever has stuck in my head is the 600, 800 grams of fruits and vegetables a day, because I have heard no one else ever say that, you know, and all the people that are on TikTok preaching, do this and do that. None of them ever say that. And so at that point, then I started following you because I was postpartum with Chase and I was struggling to get the rest of the weight off and kind of basically get my feet back under me. And I knew I didn't want to do what I did before. And I wanted to just approach it completely different. And so that was kind of like a little bit of a light bulb moment was whenever I listened to that with you. And I remember like sitting at the counter, like taking all these notes the whole time I was listening to you guys talk. And I'm like, I need to do this and I need to do this. And that sounded really good. And then I think at that point I joined the Facebook group and I kind of was like a, like a lurker in the shadows for a while. And there, I did participate in a couple challenges and we had had a phone call a couple different times. And then I finally said, like, I started stalling in the gym. That's what it was because who I had programming for me, we were, what we were doing and my calories. And it got to the point where my deadlift was stuck. Everything else was stuck. Nothing wanted to move. The scale wouldn't move. My inches wouldn't move. And I had that light bulb moment of this is not working. I shouldn't still be in all these positions. Like something should be progressing in some direction. And then that's when we had the last phone call that we had. And I said, yeehaw, let's go. (laughs) Yeehaw, let's go. And like one of the things we were talking about is just like you just weren't eating enough. You were talking about how like 18,000, you were eating about 18,000 calories. And I was like, dog, that's not enough for how active you are in your goals. And you're like, what? Uh, it's, it's like, that's actually majority of the conversations that I have, again, they're the same perspective of like just being preached. You just need to eat less and move more. And that's supposed to be the answer to every single like goal that you have build muscle, eat less, move more, be healthier, eat less, move more, be, have a better relationship with food, just eat less and move more. Like that's literally all that's being preached out there to what people are seeing. And like, so as a consequence, people are chronically under eating, right? And so um, I believe just hearing from an outside perspective, like talking to your coach, Ellen, because you joined on, you started working with Ellen. And then also our conversations, I think that was like one of the big things that we found out that was holding you back. Like uh, for those of you that are listening, the very first step that we go into with our clients is the earn it phase. Which is certain, which is essentially just a position where you have to have a solid foundation. Okay, so here's a common analogy that we use a lot: is let's say I'm a personal trainer, okay, and I have a, a client that's trying to get a really strong back squat, and they've been stuck at 160 for a long period of time, and I'm like, okay, what's your goal? And they're like 200. I'm like, okay, great. So. Uh, what's been what's been happening? What do you think is holding you back? And they're like, well, I feel achy. I keep getting injured. I feel like I'm losing motivation. I just don't, and like I just feel like I don't have a lot of energy and all these different things. Like as a trainer, I'm not gonna be like, hey, you just need to push through it. Like push through the pain, push through it. You lack motivation. That whole like life stuff. Stop doing that because that's getting in the way of your like your lifting and uh you need to come and actually spend more time than you already are just like push through it basically i would probably get fired as a personal trainer if i said that and yet that's basically exactly what's happening with everybody in the nutrition side 
it's like, hey, you're hitting plateaus. You feel like shit. You have a poor relationship with food. You have a poor mindset. You keep sabotaging your own success. You keep getting stuck in this yo-yo dieting cycle. You know what? You need to keep going to calorie deficit. You need to try harder. You're not motivated enough. You need to restrict your calories more. Stop drinking. Stop living your life. Stop doing all the things. And then pretty soon people are like, yeah, it freaking sucks. I don't want to do it anymore. There's only so much times where you can go and try and fail before you stop stop wanting to do it anymore so the way that we coach our clients is like the first step is that we have to identify what exactly is holding them back what specifically is holding our client back so that way we can identify and fix it very much like a back squat so if as a client they're like hey like i i keep hitting this like wall of potential i can't get past that i'm going to break them down to the foundation i'm going to identify what specifically is holding them back is it technique is it seat placement do they have a hip imbalance do do they do not, don't they, like maybe like their core stability is not quite there yet. Like we need to develop that. And then we're going to work together to fix that. So that way when we go to work, build up, no longer are they stuck at 160. No longer do they feel like shit. No longer do they feel like they're going to eventually give up and it's not even possible. Now they put pass through that because they have a solid foundation. So that's the same way that we work here. So with Ellen, um, Brittany, in your own words, what were the things that you and Ellen identified that was like what was holding you back, causing you to feel like you were being met with resistance to create change like we were talking about before? Yeah, um, the big thing that, we, the, well, really the only thing that we changed from the get-go was the amount that I was eating. Mm-hmm. Like we, I immediately went from, and after our first chat, when you had said to me, dude, you're, you've been in a diet and this is really what you should have been eating roughly, you know, like a rough guess. And at that point I had changed my, immediately changed my calories and increased to what you were like a rough guess. Cause I'm like, it's at least more than what I had been. So it's better than nothing. And then when she set my calories, I was still like, I think I was like 300 still less than what she had set them at. Yep. Um, but that was the biggest, like the biggest hurdle to correct was, and spending time there, which was hard you know like i wasn't anticipating like the scale to go up so starting off fresh still like with that bad headspace and then watching that occur was tough but i'm just mentally kind of reminding myself like just trust the process like you're doing it for a reason it's going to work out in the end so just like just go with it and like hang on to it. But that was the biggest thing. And within like probably like the first week, I noticed a big difference in the amount of energy that I had during the day. I wasn't like my 10 year old still makes fun of me and how like, oh, mom doesn't remember that because she was taking a nap. And isn't that sad that like I'm 33 years old and his summertime memories from two years ago was mom couldn't do anything because she was too tired and just took a nap. Like, I hate that. I hate that for him. But so like when I started to come like all this summer was that we didn't do that. There were no naps because I was eating enough. The energy was there. I was able to do all that stuff. So that was the big, like my big takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. The big takeaway was like, again, going back to, her problem that we noticed was that she was chronically under eating 
she's eating in a, essentially in a calorie deficit. In her mind, it wasn't a calorie deficit. For her, it was quote-unquote a lot because we're conditioned, especially as women, that we just need to, again, eat less and move more. So we think that the amount of calories that we should be eating is quote-unquote a lot when it's Calories is more than just losing weight. It's essential nutrients for your body just to function, period. And, and when you really dive into it, in order to get the results that you're looking for, not just look good, but feel great, have a high metabolism so you don't have to eat like a freaking bird, and uh, to maintain the lean look that you're looking to have, to have good internal health, good have mental health, relationship with food, it requires you to actually be in a calorie deficit the least amount as possible. So reframing that perspective, one, that mindset shift of I don't need to be dieting. I don't need to be eating this little. I need to actually be eating more than what I've been conditioned to think I need to be eating is probably a big, huge hurdle. And then from there, through that transition, it was scary, especially when you started seeing the weight on the scale go up. But again, if you are always chronically under eating, that's when things hit the fan. Right? This is where you won't build the muscle. In actuality, you'll probably start losing muscle mass over a period of time. You'll start hitting, hitting plateaus. You'll start doing all this work not to see any results. But then it's also going to start negatively affecting your ability to live your life. Just like you said before, you have zero energy to do anything. A lot of times people start feeling emotional um, irregularity. Like they don't have that st emotional stability. They start snapping at people a little bit more. They get a little bit more irritable a little bit more moody and, and that's no fun, right? Like I, I went through that too in my own experience. You should have painted a middle freaking finger on my forehead. Like I was miserable to be around. And in a lot of cases, um, some internal health stuff can start happening. We've had some people due to chronic stress of under eating and under eating in a calorie deficit for a long period of time is a huge stressor on your body. When your body is chronically stressed, this is where people start creating weight loss resistance. They start creating um, internal health issues like insulin resistance, IBS, autoimmune disorders. Like when you're under lots and lots of chronic stress in some extreme cases, this is where people start struggling with this kind of stuff. Now, I don't believe that was your case, but I know that we did dive a little bit into internal health, correct? Yeah, we did um, the blood work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say within the blood work, what was the big takeaways that you and your coach took away from that? Um, I, nothing was like extremely out of whack on my end, mm -hmm. but there when like, so when Toby and I had that call where we went over all of that, there was some very clear cut indicators that made a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Um, like my testosterone was terrible and was low. And the big one was when he said, you're my cholesterol was high mm. and that was the home run hitter because my mom had that. Mm. And so then it was like, and, and knowing, you know, that she like unexpectedly passed away at 38 and I'm in my thirties, like I'm not far from that at this point. Like the first thought I had was that's not going to be me. Like I am not going to strand my kids mm -hmm. if there is anything that I have to do about it because it's just not going to happen. And that was when we decided that I would, because at that point, I think I had only come on for like six months of coaching mm -hmm. was all that we were going to do. And then at that point was whenever we had agreed to go longer than that. And so we extended it at that point. But um, 
yeah, that was the big like heavy hitter on my end of I need to get my shit together because that's not acceptable. Yeah, and for those of you that are listening, like blood work is one of the best ways to take more of a preventive approach. I know that you said at the very beginning one of the biggest reasons why you're here is because what you experienced with your your mom and what you're currently trying to prevent with your dad. And your mom had high cholesterol. And so for those of you that are listening, I know a lot of people have probably heard from maybe online or doctors that cholesterol, high cholesterol up in the body is caused from eating cholesterol. And it's not. That's been outproven for a very, very long period of time. Majority of your cholesterol is actually produced within your body. Dietary cholesterol is actually very good for you. It's a precursor for healthy hormones, right, including testosterone levels. So most people would be like, hey, I need to avoid dietary cholesterol. But in her case, that would actually make things harder for her because one of the things that she's struggling with is low testosterone. And when you have low testosterone, testosterone is very important for women, and it has a, such a huge impact in your overall quality of life. And you will start seeing symptoms while having low testosterone. We've worked with very many women who did have low testosterone, I included, had very low testosterone. And it can 100% not only halt your ability to build muscle, get leaner, but a lot of different things like energy and so forth that really impact your life. That's really feeling like your body and your mind is working against you. So there are some people that like diving underneath the hood, getting some blood work done can really make sure that we are doing the right things and we're moving the needle forward in the right direction. And so one of the best ways to help with that, because if you are seeing higher cholesterol, if you are start starting to see some type of hormonal imbalance, um, like low testosterone or high testosterone, it's also known as PCOS. In some cases, if you have other indicators that come along with it, or insulin resistance or all these things, a lot of these imbalances within your hormones are stemmed from chronic stress, right? And everybody is pretty stressed right now. Being a single mom for a long period of time, hero status, hell yeah, that's probably made you super strong mentally. And like, honestly, like you are a superhero in my eyes, but it was very hard on you. It was very stressful. We add in chronic dieting, under eating, that's a huge stressor. You're now suppressing your body from key nutrients for it to survive, to thrive over a long period of time. You do that long enough. That's why a lot of people start reaching this almost weight loss resistance and they feel like a completely different person. So 100%, I remember talking to Toby about this, which by the way, if you're listening to this, Toby is our director of coaching. He's also one of our head functional uh, nutritionists. He's one of the people that read blood work um, has, uh, and also collaborates with doctors as well, if that's something that you need to make sure that the doctor and the coach are on the same page and we're collaborating. And so he does sit down and look at blood work and translate that to our clients to help them understand and help really personalize things for our clients when it comes to nutrition, fitness, and lifestyle to help them be able to achieve whatever goals that they have. And so I remember talking to him about this because uh, like we stay up to date with all of our clients. We, we work as a group of team, like our clients have multiple eyes on them. And so uh, he's like, oh, this is like clearly, like it makes sense why she's feeling this way and it, and it makes sense that she is in this situation because she's been under eating. And the first step that you and Ellen did was like super impactful it's just restoring your metabolism actually getting really good nutrient-dense foods in there um i remember they were talking about also making sure like other key factors that help with reducing stress regulating blood sugar levels improving muscle mass 
um, reducing stress in other areas, good single ingredient foods, other key habits that are really quite simple and extremely impactful with your internal health. We were really able to personalize things with that, right? So with that being said, um, with all these changes happening, restoring the metabolism and the weight spiking up a little bit, for a lot of people that would be pretty freaking mind-blowing to them. But, hey, Brittany, go ahead and tell them what happened while you're eating more food and why the weight on the scale might have gone up a little bit. Um, yeah, so I, I've i lost count at this point how many PRs I've hit yes, since I then. Like, I'm like, it's <laughs> just... And it's really funny, too, because... Everybody always talks about like newbie gains and I don't consider myself a newbie in the gym because I've been doing it for a while. And so it's kind of mind blowing watching it. And it's almost multiple times a week. Like if it's not a dumbbell movement, it's a barbell movement and everything is moving. Like the fact that what was that just last week or no, just Monday, I squatted 155 for three three sets of five and I, my PR is 160 for one. I didn't know it was three sets of five. I saw 155. Oh yeah. my God. Three sets of five. Out of the water. Yeah. Funny and so that analogy 160, that number in the analogy earlier for 160, you're like, oh, three sets of 160. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh. Yeah. And so like that has been huge um, and makes it more fun. You know what I mean? Like when you're, when you're in the gym, the way that I was before coming to you guys and everything was just stuck, it starts to feel monotonous and boring and tedious. And then it's like that motivation, what little was there then goes down the toilet because, well, what's the point if there's, if nothing's going anywhere, the point of, and the point of going to the gym isn't to always get PRs, but that's what makes it exciting when you do get something especially when you are not anticipating it. Mm -hmm. And I got in a headspace then where it was like, I didn't want to push myself to see if I could hit it because I just, I know what weights prior felt like and I didn't want to try it where now I'm like putting weight on and I'm like, I can do that. Yeah. Like I can confidently move that, you know? And like, so there's all the, that. And then on top of it, like I've had a pair of sweatpants for like the last probably a year now that whenever I first got them were like really tight on my thighs and are not now like they're not extremely baggy but they're just not tight like they were so like clothes fit way different and fit way better I'm at the point now where I'm confident enough that all my clothes that are too big that I have refused to get rid of when I look in the mirror I, that's what I think makes me look like shit because I'm like you can't see anything you know what I mean and I was so used to hiding everything and being not confident to wear things that accentuated, you know, like my body mm -hmm. and I'm a female. I want to like look good. You know what I mean? And so I would get like, well, my sweatshirts are way too big. And so then whenever I wear them, I'm like, well, now that just makes me look way bigger than I actually am because I'm not that big. You know what I mean? And they just, they just doesn't sit right. And so now I'm like, well, get rid of all that shit because none of that fits anymore. I don't want any of that. Like, so that is a big one too. Um, my sleep is way different. I went from getting up at four in the morning to go lift and only doing it on like six hours of sleep. But now I'm focused on quality of sleep. So even if I do get like, say six hours and 45 minutes of sleep, the first thing I go to in my Garmin app is what was my REM? 
what was my REM and what was my deep. And as long as those are like within a mark of being good, I'm like, and I also base it off of how I feel. You know, if I wake up before, when I woke up at four in the morning, I immediately had to go downstairs and drink an energy drink before I could even go outside. So I was drinking an energy drink, a ghost energy drink at four in the morning, just to go out to go to the gym and then crashing at 10 because I didn't sleep. I had immediately had caffeine within five minutes of waking up and then I lifted and then I would feel like dog shit all day. And where now I'm waking up, I'm doing some, not every day, but a lot of days I go downstairs and do mobility. I empty the dishwasher. I get the kid off to school. You know, like I eat breakfast. I go through my day. I have coffee way after the fact of when I wake up. I don't need it whenever I first wake up. So there's a lot that is way different than it was before. That's amazing. Uh, Okay. So with that being said, all these changes where basically you pretty much just need to have to get a new wardrobe now, which you're welcome, by the way. I, I like now you have to buy all new clothes. Oh man, what a problem! Bummer. But, <laughs> you're like bummer, bummer. But also talking about like the weight on the scale, like what was your like? Because I know that we had this conversation. This is re- why I'm bringing it up because I think this is a topic that a lot of people need to hear. Is you were talking about before how like the weight on the scale wasn't necessarily changing the way that you quote unquote expected. And we had to have this conversation going forth. So can you go a little bit more in depth as, as to that mental shift for you? Yeah. So when was that? That was like, that was before Thanksgiving. Right before Thanksgiving. Yep. Yeah. So, um, I, well, when you're, when you're a client, we track our weight every day and then we look at the trend for the week, not just what it is on a day-to-day basis. And I got in this really bad headspace where when I was looking at it, it didn't appear to be going anywhere. My body scans that I had didn't like look right. And it just basically took over my headspace. And at the point where any other time I would have thrown in the towel and been like, this shit's not working. I'm not doing this. I'll figure something out. And then I would have probably binge ate and went off the rails and then been miserable for a week straight. But, um, I reached out to Ellen and then I reached out to, in our group chat. Cause I'm like, I know there's people in there that are going to have something to say. Someone else reached out to me that is a coach. Is it Christina? I think. Yeah. Christina. Yeah. And then we chatted and when we looked at the overall picture, it had changed. Oh yeah. It wasn't massively drastic the way that my head wanted it. You know what I mean? The way that my headspace wanted it to be, but it was, I just got stuck in almost went backwards mentally to that old, you know, yo-yo diet, quick fix bullshit in my head and just wasn't able to actually see it. But when we sat down and talked about it and it was like, you know, we put into perspective that there have been PRs in the gym, the sleep is better, the clothes fit better, their confidence is higher. Like that's progress, even though that scale doesn't show all that. And I think that's where a lot of people, and I still see it all the time, every day people get stuck. And I've even made comments about it where people are like, well, I'm eating X amount of calories and the scale went up or the scale was up five pounds after Thanksgiving. 
okay. Like, so was mine, but I didn't. But because we had that conversation, it, I was able to recognize I am making progress. It's just not the progress that my brain wanted to see because it wasn't an immediate, it wasn't that instant gratification that everybody wants anymore. It was, you know, and so that was where it really started to shift. And I'm really, really thankful that that moment occurred because now when I step on the scale in the morning, I'm like, I'm just, it's just data. Like any other time when I stepped on it, like if one day it read, 147 and then the next day it was 147.5 i'd be like well shit that's the wrong way you know what i mean and then even if the day after that it said 147.2 i still was like well it should have went down more you know what i mean where now whenever i'm on it i'm like it it is what it is it's and when you're able to see like with you guys and i don't want to word it like this because it is going to sound weird but like it was, you gave me a reality check and that was what I needed. You know what I mean? It was it like for the average person, had you said that to like some stranger on the internet, they probably would have been like, what a bitch. You know what I mean? But I needed that. You know what I mean? Like I am a client and I got stuck in a really bad headspace. And in that moment, that was exactly what everything that you had told me was exactly what I needed to hear to help me get past that, to go forward. And now like, there's lots of times whenever I go out to the gym and I have like a crop tank top on or like even when I get out of the shower, like Nick even said it the other day, whenever I was taking my progress pictures for the week, he was like, turn this way. And I turned and he was like, flex a little bit. And he was like, you have abs. And I was like, I've never had abs. I mean, <laughs> I have abs, but like, I've never, you know what I mean? And there's just, when you are able to, in a much better headspace, you can recognize those things on yourself. I am still a firm believer in that it's harder to see your own progress or for like your spouse to see it because you see each other every day. But when you get, and I think that's, everybody likes the outside compliments and they are fantastic, but they can also, I think they're unwarranted sometimes. Like, yes, I love whenever I post something on social media and everybody's like, oh, you look fantastic. Or like I do a, this was what I was before. And this is where I'm at now. And you get that like instant gratification from people like praising your progress. But at the same time, I think when we do that, like people fail to realize what that process looked like. And, and not only that, but like, you don't know where that person is at in their process. Like you could say the wrong thing not realizing it's the wrong thing and trigger someone who's just not, if somebody would have said something to me when I was in that headspace where we talked, that would have been like, if it would have at that point, someone could have easily baited me to go a whole different direction because I was just still for whatever reason back in that headspace. And it would have been so quick for me to be like, you know what? I don't want to be a client anymore. This shit doesn't work and go a whole nother direction with one comment. perspective I am talking in a I've been there I've been my own worst enemy I have completely sabotaged my own own success because our emotions while they feel very strong they aren't always reality and just like you were talking about before is like 
the weight on the scale is not moving the way that I expected it to going off of what, like, again, going back to your previous behavior patterns that were actually detrimental to your success that you're trying to reframe. We're human beings. We may potentially be put pat back in that position. And the cool thing is, is that I would say that you should be very, very proud of how you've handled that. I wouldn't be upset with the fact that you even put yourself in a position. I feel like everybody does that. Just like I talk with people who have relationship with food issues or uh, body image issues or anything like that. The goal is to never, uh, the goal is not to never struggle. The goal is to not let it ruin your day or your actions thus forth. And you didn't let it ruin your actions. You took a step back, you reached out to your community so that way they could talk to you. One of the reasons why coaches are so valuable is because the accountability portion and like the the honest conversations that we need to have with each other. And yes, I, 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 I've turned the tough love Casey on. I've been doing this long enough. I know who needs it and I know who doesn't. And you know me, I'm, I've always been 100% me. I'm more of the kind, not nice. I'll be 100% honest with you. It's always out of a place of love. And I always ask permission before I do it. But like, I'm always gonna be transparent with you because if I just tell you what you wanna hear, that's not helping you. Sometimes we do have to say things that sting a little bit for somebody to create change. Right? Being nice to somebody isn't being a good coach. Being a good coach is saying the hard things, but always letting the clients know it's out of a place of love. And we had the hard conversation of your emotions are driving your, your like you're trying to drive your actions right now. And you leaning into your people, reframing the way that you're thinking, being very objective of what's happening. Is what I'm thinking actually reality? And when we took a step back, we are like, no. The body composition tests were actually inaccurate. And with everything, all the data that we're seeing, clothes are practically falling off of you. Your husband's saying that you have abs, you feeling better, you having PRs and everything like that. It was physiologically impossible for those body composition tests to be right. And so when we took a step back, like you broke past that emotion. People are always looking for, I want to have freedom from the weight on the scale. Well, freedom is not throwing the weight on the scale and never addressing it because you bring it back out. That trigger is going to be right there again. You, you weigh yourself quite often. And through that, it's almost like exposure therapy, right? And creating a very objective relationship with it. Now it no longer controls your emotions. And I think one of the big catalysts for that was that experience of being triggered, sorting through it, taking the emotions to allow you to not let those temporary emotions that you will feel for about five to 15 minutes, or in your case, it did bother you for a few days, but retrospect a few days is like nothing. Right? And you made really great decisions because this will not be the last time that will happen. And sooner or later, you're going to be doing this on your own. And that right there is a skill in itself that will keep you going for life. And I was like, I was so proud of you after that. Like, I was like, she's going to go either which way. She's either going to give up or she's going to figure this shit out. Uh, and so, like, Toby, Christine, and I, and Ellen were talking about this. And I was like, she needs to figure this out on her own. Like she needs to go through this and you came out on the other side and you fucking crushed it. You, you did the hard shit. Like it's this reframing the way that we think about diet coaches are shit. Reframing the way that we think of the process that it's supposed to be this icky, like restrictive way really screws up our mindset. It really does. And to break past that and get back home freedom, it requires these hard moments, but it only makes you tougher. But with that being said, I, I do have another question for you, right? So 
we know that investing in your house is like one of the most important things that we could ever do, right? We were just talking about how like now you're there for your family more, you have more energy, you're thinking about your future with your kids. Like a big driver of yours is the quality of life that you lead. Like you don't want to fall into the path that your mom was in. Like your quality of life is everything to you. But you know what? Investing in your health whether it's time, money, effort, it, it's a big leap of faith for a lot of people, right? And we know this. Those who pay, pay attention to whether monetary value that you have, whether it's time, effort, and money. Like, you pay for what is prior, like what you prioritize in life. It's still a big leap of faith for those people. So, like, what made you take that leap of faith to invest in your own health, to, to dive into that? What was going through your mind? Yeah, I think um, I... Honestly, I think I was able to put aside the fact that I was so driven on that I had to lose weight. Like everybody is so driven and that it's just, I have to lose weight. If I lose this weight, X, Y, Z all the time. And for me, you know, like I looked at all the things that I went through, you know, I was a single mom for four years, I think before I met Nick, like, so I was a single mom and then like now I am a mom of two and a wife, you know, and I'm the one who controls the grocery list and the grocery shopping and all the meals that everybody in this house eats. So if I have a moment where I'm going to be, you know, a lazy slob and eat like shit, what's that say to everybody else, you know, in my house. And I think for me, it was more just, I'm very driven over not just like making my mom proud if she were still here, but making the old me proud, you know? And I think that was the big thing. And that I want, I don't want, how do I wanna say this? I'm gonna get upset. <laughs> um, I know what it felt like as a kid to not have my mom at my social events because she didn't feel like it. And that she didn't wanna go in public because she thought she looked like shit and she felt like shit. And I don't want to be that mom. I want to be there for my kids. You know, my son is 10. He plays baseball. And now that I've done all this, both baseball seasons that he played this year, if I needed to, I could warm him up. Like I could stand there and play catch with him. I could throw him fly balls. I could go down to the ball field with him and do all those things and chase him around the bases and be silly. I can chase after my toddler. I can carry my toddler up and down the steps. You know, like those are all things that are and will always be the most important part to me. I don't care what scale says. I don't care what size jeans I wear. You know what I mean? None of that matters to me. But at the end of the day, what's the most important is am I present for my kids and my husband? And I'm a firm believer in that you can't pour from an empty cup. You can't be there for people who need you there if your cup is always empty. And unfortunately, I grew up in a society where everybody thinks that the mom comes last. As a mom, you should put everybody else before yourself, but that makes your cup empty. You can't do that. And so when I'm able to, one hour, one hour, four times a week, that's what I do in the gym. I'm out in our garage, in our garage gym, one hour a night, three to four times a week, that is it. There is nothing else. And I'm able to be present for them. I'm able to be at his sporting events and be the mom that's standing there yelling while, you know, everybody else is doing.
doing God knows what else. But that was my big thing that whenever I sat down and had that phone call with Toby and he, the cholesterol, when, as soon as he said that, it was almost like my mom was like, get your shit together. Like, just do it. And that was it. I had to. Which, by the way, thank you so much. Like, the, being vulnerable in front of people and talking about this stuff, it's never easy. I've told Matilda, I don't know how many times we're never going to be here. But the fact that you're doing this, you're sharing your story. Um, I know throughout my own journey, hearing other people's stories, overcoming what they went through, it was really inspiring me. And what you're doing is doing the same for a lot of other people. So thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for shining like a light, not only to your family, but to others who have a question for you. Uh, I want, like, if you have any final thoughts that you wish to share with people before we, we end this episode. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things, a couple that I actually just learned, like not through you guys, just through like scrolling good information. Um, I think that the whole theory on when women have kids, they need to get their body back right away is absolute bullshit. Because what people fail to tell you is that your hormones don't bounce back immediately after giving birth. It takes time. And imagine like everything that we've said. And when I chronically dieted, what that puts the stress that that puts your body under. And now your body's already under stress because it just gave birth. And then you put it, you know what I mean? So now you're just putting it under, like, let it, like, let it take time because yeah, like when, like with Chase, I, I didn't, I mean, mentally I needed, like, I thought I needed to lose the weight, but in reality, I just was present with him. You know what I mean? As a parent and as a new mom for the second time. So like, I just let it take its time, but I still did it way earlier than I probably should have. And then the other thing that I recently learned is that your, as a female, your cycle controls your emotional state. So like when you're right before your period, that's when your emotions are at the lowest point. And so when like, I didn't realize this and I didn't even know, like my mom died when I was 15 and the women in my life didn't teach me shit. You know what I mean? So whenever I'm like, I'm 33, almost 34 years old and I'm still learning like all these like feminine things. But like when you hit your luteal phase, that's why you think you look bloated because it changes your emotional state. And like, yeah, you might be bloated, but you don't look the way you think you look. And that's why in other parts of it, you're like, shit, I look shredded. And then in other parts of it, you're like, I look like a fat cow. You know what I mean? And if you can realize that, and work through it and know it's just a phase and not let it completely wreck your life. I think you will be so much like better off on the end, you know, and that in community, like, yes, at some point I will no longer be a client with a coach, but I will always have all of you. You know, like I, on my personal Facebook page, I'm friends with you. I am friends with Toby. I'm friends with Ellen. So like, and like Toby is not my coach, but whenever I posted my squat video, he was like, can I critique your form? (laughs) And I was like, absolutely. I want to know, you know what I mean? And like, I always now forever will have that. And so when you like, when you have the light bulb moment of, I need help and I'm going to just do whatever it takes to make that happen. 
and give it 100%, you, you gain so much more than what like people realize when it's all said and done. Cause it's not just, you know, your health and your life and all the other, you know, aesthetic things that you want in the end, you have all these people now in your corner that no matter what direction you go are going to be cheering for you the whole entire time. Nowadays, there's a lot more than when we first started, or I first started coaching, but there's still not enough. And the community aspect of it changed my life, and that's all I wanted for my 20s. I just wanted them to be supported. Like, we are the average who we surround ourselves with, and there's a lot of people that don't have supportive spouse. They don't have supportive families. They don't have supportive people around them. They feel alone, and it's hard to create change that you want doing all by yourself. It is. So, uh, 100%. And I also want to say this too, that like going back to briefly, we'll, we'll briefly go down this rabbit hole, but we're going to bring this back up, right? You were talking about how a lot of women have these con preconceived notions that it's supposed to be this way, but it's like, look at the source that you got it from. Diet culture, like everything out there, diet culture, it's not working. <laughs> it's not right. We've got to do something different. And so Sometimes when you're struggling with these things of like, hey, like in my mind, I'm supposed to be this certain way after I, I have a baby. And then from there, you brought in logic, you brought in knowledge, right? And it allowed you to shift your perspective and not allow your emotions to drive your actions, but to make very educated decisions. And through that process, you broke that emotional control over you. Like, for example, like learning more about the cycle, like 100% during the luteal phase and menstrual phase. There's such huge shift changes, not only in terms of water retention information, but your mental side of things. It's like you see these funny reels on Instagram um, where it's like in menstrual phase, you're just low in energy and things like that. Then it goes into uh, all these different phases and it's progressively like changing your emotions too. like the right after menstrual phase. Now you're feeling light and happy. And then right after that is ovulation. And then you're feeling all sexy and looking good. And, and then after that, it goes into the next phase and you feel like shit. And then menstrual phase, you like it's this whole process. But and we're making light of it right now. But like when you take a step back, it's like we're now normalizing women's bodies to change. It's supposed to happen. Why are we punishing ourselves for something that's supposed to happen? When you learn that, that it's, oh, that's supposed to happen. That happens to everybody. Now you no longer feel like you're broken. Now you're like, oh, my body's loving on me. It's just working properly. Like, why would I hate it for doing that? Like, yeah, I feel uncomfortable, but feeling uncomfortable is not hard. Like, you can feel uncomfortable shit all the time. Like, it's, again, that mindset shift is a big thing that I want for my clients, too, is that this doesn't have to rule your life. You don't have to hate your body. And a lot of times we fear what we just don't understand. And when you bring knowledge in, it can empower you to really create the changes that you want and also break ties with that emotional control that people feel over food, the weight on the scale, how they look in the mirror and all that stuff. They're able to break free and really love the process and love themselves. So that's fantastic. From there, guys, we do have to wrap it up because we are a little over an hour. I knew this was going to happen. You, you and Brittany and I talked too long. Can I, can I say one more thing? Oh, hell yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Um, not just for women, but for anybody, because this was a big thing for me, like all my life growing up. And even still, sometimes you are not someone else. 
You are, you are not the fit fluencer on the internet. You are not the, you know what I, you're just not, you are your own individual. And, and I say, wanted to say that because my mom growing up, her nickname was olive oil from Popeye because she had super short black hair and she was really tall and really, really tiny. And she looked just like her. And I am not built like that. I am not really tall and I am not, I was very, very tiny as a kid. I, I, and everyone thought I was going to trend and end up looking, you know, body wise, just like her, but I didn't. And I stayed on the shorter side. I have meaty thighs. Like I'm very thigh quad hip dominant compared to good lower body. Yeah. And it's taken me a really long time to love that and to understand that, yes, there are other people on the internet that look better and are, you know, like ripped to the gills, whatever. And we see them and think, I want to be that. But like you gave me that dose of reality whenever we had that conversation of, but how are they like that? Why are they like that? What do they do to be like that? Is it healthy to maintain that? And like, even just from the perspective of like my history with, you know, my mom and thinking that I was going to look like that. And I didn't like, yes, genetics play a part in that. And you may look like other family members, but you are your own individual self. So like the comparing and wishing to be someone else when you should just be loving on what you have, I think is really, really shitty. So like, just remember that, that like we are our own individual people with our own stories, with our own lives. Yeah. Uh, comparison is the killer of joy. It is comparing yourself in, in any aspect um, of life. You, you tend to compare yourself to other people instead of focusing on you and what works best for you. Do you mind if I share the conversation that we had with that? No. Yeah. So what she was referring to is that her and I were uh, messaging back and forth, and she sent me a picture of, I'm not going to drop names, but a very fit individual, um, very beautiful individual. Um, she, was also, she is also a full-time athlete, and she's like, how do I get to be like that? And I was like, okay, we're going to have to change the content. I was like, what does she do to get this? And she was like, she started like putting the pieces together of like, okay, she is a full-time athlete. I'm like, how does she eat? probably does not eat out she doesn't drink she doesn't have a social life she spends majority of her day lifting weights and then when you train that hard and you're a full-time athlete training that hard you have to spend that much time recovering as well there's a cost to getting lean there's a cost to getting those that the parameters and i will say this too guys the people in the athlete like athletes or physique models or competitors the people that are truly truly athletic those are the people that are like behind closed doors because I was one of those people. I had six pack abs. I had everybody praising me for how I looked and everything like that. But under closed doors, those people are typically the ones that are struggling with disordered patterns the most. They're the ones that are beating their bodies up the most. They're the ones that punish themselves the most and don't have a social life and are absolutely miserable. Like the most miserable physically and mentally I've ever been was when I had a six pack abs. Because genetically, I'm not meant to have six-pack abs. There are some people that genetically just naturally have it, but it's extremely small percentage. Majority of people have to make extreme sacrifices and put themselves at risk of not living their life to their fullest and also having 
correlationship with food issues and internal health issues, especially women, right? And we always idealize these athletes that have six-pack abs online, but again, I've been doing this a long time and I actually started with high-performing athletes. That was where I actually started with coaching because I was a high-performing athlete as well. And some of the most unhealthy people I have ever worked with in terms of mental health, relationship to food, body dysmorphia, and blood work were the ones that had six-pack abs. We all struggle, right? So comparing yourself to other people, just know that there's a cost to getting lean. Are you willing to make that cost? And it is not greener on the other side. Like, I'm, I'm like, the happiest I've ever been. Do I want to get better? Yeah. Like, that's the trait of a good person. We always want to evolve. We always want to grow. We always want to love on ourselves to get better, Right? But I've never been happier. And I, no way in hell, Brittany, I will tell you this, no way in hell will I ever go for a six-pack abs ever again. It was not worth it. I remember having six-pack abs, and somebody was like, how do you feel? I'm like, it's not fucking worth it. It's not. I'm fucking miserable. Like, it was horrible. Um, so just a perspective change, and hopefully this story will not only inspire you to take action, which is something I want to point out, Brittany, is that from an outside perspective of hearing everything behind it, the commonality amongst everything, even the ups and downs, because the downs, the mistakes are just as important as the ups, because sometimes to learn what you need to do, the journey that you're supposed to be taking is with a lot of mistakes, a lot of those lessons learned. No matter what part of that journey, the reason why you're here today and you're doing so well, because like, yes, you have a coach in your corner and, and yes, like the stuff works, but you're the one that's taking action. From day number one of when you started, you decided to take action. And none of that action was perfect, ever, right? And there's no such thing as perfect action. You just kept taking action. You kept doing the things. You kept showing up. You kept trying to find new ways. And over a course of a period of time, especially when you started working with Ellen, you started figuring out what works best for you, but you kept showing up and you kept taking action, even when it got hard. And I think that's what people need to hear. You can say what you want all you want. You can say it to the stars, I want this change, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But words mean nothing. You can think about doing the thing, you can want to do the thing, you can plan doing the thing. You can do all of these different things, but nothing will do the thing except for doing the thing. You have to take action. So if you take anything from this is that it does not have to be perfect and it doesn't have to be like Brittany's story, but just take action. Do something. The something will always be better than nothing. But if you do want to take action and you think maybe the Thriving On team is where it's at and you want to join the Thriving On family and, and join the community as well, all you got to do is uh, there's a link below in the, in the description. Just click on that. Find a time to talk with me. We'll chat, see if it's even a fit. No pressure if it's not probably give you a direction as to where you would be a good fit. Like, all I want to do is see you win. So if that's something that you want, you want to start taking action, again, the link is below. But besides that, Brittany, thank you so much for jumping on. Thank you so much for sharing your story, getting vulnerable. Um, this was great. This was really, really great. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad I got to come on. Okay. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode. Talk to you next week.